Hello, and welcome back to It's a Very Exciting Time, a podcast by a UFO nerd and its tolerant friend. My name is Scott, and I've been fascinated by the phenomenon my whole life. And my name is Chuck. I'm an aerospace nerd and a tolerant friend. We started this podcast because since 2017, there have been shocking revelations from news of secret Pentagon programs to confirmed Navy videos of astonishing craft. In a nutshell, now that the government has admitted that UFOs are real, <clears throat> or at least that the videos were authentic, <laughs> it raises a natural question. If UFOs are real, what else? Suddenly, some of these other parts of the phenomenon that seemed unlikely are pulled into the realm of the possible. Right? They may still be unlikely, but there's so many explanations for these stories. Even if the truth is more mundane than you're hoping, if any of it turns out to be true, it's a very exciting time. All right. Welcome back, everybody. Chuck is still on vacation, and the... UAP news just keeps coming hot and heavy. Uh, I feel like I'm going to have to do a, a recap with him when he gets back if he's not listening to the episodes. Uh, but yeah, lots of stuff going on. So let's uh, let's get right let's get right into it. Uh, first of all, we had a news break about potentially a Canadian UAP program. So Canadian MP Larry McGuire sent a letter to Canada's Minister of National Defense alleging that Canada has secretly collaborated with other Five Eyes nations on UAP crash recoveries. Uh, if you're not familiar, Five Eyes is an intelligence alliance between the U.S., the U.K., Australia, Canada, and New Zealand. Uh, the letter, sent on March 22nd, was titled Defense Research and Development Canada, in possession of recovered UAP material. Uh, Defense Research and Development Canada is basically the Canadian version of DARPA. Uh, and the letter was shared by investigative journalists Jeremy Corbell and George Knapp. Uh, I'm going to quote a few sections of it because I think it's, it's really interesting. And any attempt I made to rephrase it just kind of lost the punch of it. So... The letter opens, he says, it has come to my attention through meetings with American officials that the U.S. Senate have been undertaking hearings with government and military subject matter experts on the recovery and exploitation of physical material from UAP. Um, now, in hindsight, he's clearly talking about David Grush and related whistleblowers who we now know were meeting with Congress back in March. Uh, so what this tells us is not only were they meeting with Congress in uh, March, but that information was being shared out to other members of the Five Eyes. Uh, it has come to my attention through meetings with American officials. They've been undertaking meetings on the recovery and exploitations of physical material from UAP. You may not be aware Defense Research and Development Canada has participated in efforts to analyze UAP, which is publicly traceable to circa 1950. This recovered foreign material is studied through the Five Eyes Foreign Material Program. 
I am writing to recommend you request a classified briefing containing full, sensitive, and protected program information from your officials on the Government of Canada's historical and ongoing efforts on analyzing recovered UAP material. So this MP is writing to the Minister of Defense and saying, yo, our version of DARPA has a crashed UFO that dates back to 1950, and you need to know about it. You need to request a briefing from your people to be told about this, because I think you're not aware. He goes on to say, I am concerned that expected upcoming public announcements will be coordinated with AUK-US, which is a security pact between Australia, UK, and the US, which could damage Canada's credibility with our allies and the Canadian public on the global stage. So he's saying that as part of the five eyes, which is US, UK, Canada, and Australia, and New Zealand, all five of them, uh, they've been studying UAP, but they're expecting a public announcement to be made that only includes Australia, UK, and US leaving Canada out, which makes them look bad. So he says, it is imperative that the government of Canada have a communications plan to respond to these upcoming public revelations that will stem from these American foreign material programs. Not only are there national security and aviation safety concerns that need to be addressed, but there will also be a larger debate about why there is a lack of transparency and accountability regarding UAP programs and policy. Um, so, wow, you know, big claims from uh, Canadian MP Larry McGuire. Um, my interpretation of this is it sounds like the U.S. had recovered some sort of craft and had shared either the craft or material from the craft with Canada via the Five Eyes uh, uh, Foreign Material Program. So the Canadian version of DARPA, DRDC, has been holding and investigating this material apparently in a similarly covert, perhaps illegally hidden special access program, just like the American version. And this Canadian MP is like, hey, it's not just the US, it's happening in Canada too. And you need to know about it because they're going to go tell the public about it and they're going to play us for chumps. We need to be able to be prepared to have a statement about our involvement and why we haven't been talking about this. Um, so yeah, big claims. Um, when the story broke, the defense minister's office released a statement saying that they, quote, confirmed that neither Defense Research and Development Canada nor Canadian Forces Intelligence Command are involved in any type of foreign and formal analysis of UAP. In fact, all efforts to study UAP ceased in the 1960s. Um, the, the top comment on Reddit for this one was, oh, it's good to see that Canada has their own Susan Goff, the uh, uh, spokesperson for the Pentagon who has been coming out and saying that everything David Grush says is false. <laughs> um, Ross Coulthart, notably, uh, the journalist that we love here, uh, who has been strongly implying for a while now that he knows more about this story, 
tweeted, it is important to note that the official Canadian response is not a denial that Canadians are working with the U.S. on a UAP crash retrieval and reverse engineering program. It's very carefully worded to deny that neither DRDC nor the uh, Intelligence Command are involved. Why no broad government denial? Um, you're going to notice a pattern as we talk about stuff tonight that when we get these official denials from people, they tend to be carefully worded. Uh, they, they use weasel words, right? Things that sound good on paper, but when you actually sit down and look at it, they've done something to very carefully scope what they said. Um, so in this case, they didn't say uh, no one in Canada is involved. They said our version of DARPA and our intelligence command are not involved. Well, that's not everybody. And if it's like the U.S., this is probably stovepiped deep within a couple other programs and may not be, uh, you know, visible in the normal command structure. So just like we saw David Grush and Admiral Wilson went looking for these programs and were denied access even once they found them, it's entirely conceivable that the Minister of Defense went looking and asked their version of DARPA, hey, do you guys have any crash materials? And they said, no, we got nothing, because they're supposed to lie about it. So anyway, interesting story. I don't know if anything will come of it, but uh, I mentioned it because one of the things people always say about this stuff is why is it U.S. only? And it's hard to deny that these stories are pretty U.S.-centric, but, you know, here's one at least from our neighbor to the north. Uh, speaking of Susan Goff and uh, Niles, uh, two weeks ago, DOD spokesperson Susan Goff released a statement in reaction uh, to David Grush's claims, and she said, To date, Arrow has not discovered any verifiable information to substantiate claims that any programs regarding the possession or reverse engineering of extraterrestrial material have existed in the past or exist currently. Um, now, there's several weasel words in there. Uh, one of them, which the community picked up on right away, was the use of the word extraterrestrial. Uh, David Grush very carefully used the word non-human. Those feel like synonyms, but if non-human doesn't necessarily mean extraterrestrial, you know, it could be, but uh, they did come out and clarify that they meant non-human as well as extraterrestrial. But two other weasel words in here. Uh, one, she said, to date, Arrow has not discovered any information. And two, she said, has not discovered any verifiable information. So first of all, She's not claiming that Arrow hasn't found any information. She's claiming Arrow hasn't been able to verify any information, which with the discussions we've had before about Sean Kirkpatrick and his uh, perhaps unwillingness to consider witness testimony, um, they could be considering that unverifiable, even though people are talking to them. Um, and the other big thing to note is she said Arrow has not discovered she doesn't say the Pentagon hasn't discovered anything. She doesn't say the DOD hasn't discovered anything. Arrow is only the latest in a long string of 
investigative UAP bodies, uh, including most recently the UAP task force, before that OSAP and ATIP, before that Project Blue Book and Grudge and Sign and on and on. She doesn't mention any of those. Did any of them find anything? We don't know. So she released a statement that sounds very good on paper, but manages to avoid actually saying this doesn't exist. Uh, the reason I bring this statement up is that this week, uh, someone followed up with her and said, can you talk to us about the fact that Arrow does not have Title 50 access? Uh, real briefly to recap in case you've forgotten, Title 10 access means you have the ability to compel uh, groups in the military to do what you need to give you information. And Title 50 is the equivalent for the intelligence community. Uh, Arrow has Title 10, but not Title 50 access, which a lot of people have interpreted as meaning um, they, they, they can go ask, but the intelligence community can basically just ignore them or tell them, no, I don't have anything, but they don't have to answer. Um, Susan Goff said, by law, Arrow may receive all UAP-related information, including any classified national security information involving military, intelligence, and intelligence-related activities at all levels of classification, regardless of any restrictive access controls, special access programs, or compartmented access programs. Um, okay, nice compelling statement, right? Hey. It, yeah, they don't have Title 50, but they can still get all the information they need. And, and there was a lot more to it than that, but that was the meat of it. Uh, Ross Coltart pointed out another critical weasel word here. She said Arrow can receive information, but she's not denying that without Title 50, they can't compel it. So if they go to the CIA or the NSA and ask for stuff, they may not get it. Now, if the CIA and the NSA want to volunteer stuff, they're allowed to receive it. But, you know, the the whole issue we've been talking about here is these secret programs that are unwilling to share, unwilling to come out of the shadows. Um, so continued denials from the Pentagon, but continued wiggle room to not necessarily take them seriously. Um, up next, uh, we had an interesting thing happen. Uh, ABC News reporter Barnett Parker sent a note to the PR people at Lockheed Martin asking about rumors that they have received a recovered UAP, and in particular, if they were aware of the upcoming law that would compel them to share that with Congress. More on that in a moment. Um, Lockheed's response was, your questions will be best addressed by the Arrow office within the DOD. That's a weird answer, right? <laughs> that, that feels like a talk to my lawyer kind of thing. Uh, and Ross Coltart, again, commented on this. He said, you know, this is a great question, but there's an obvious follow-up here. Why can't Lockheed Martin answer such a basic question? Why should a DOD UAP investigation office have to speak for a public company on whether they possess retrieved non-human technology? Um, so yeah, I don't know what to make of that. That's a very weird thing. Um, if I had to guess, uh, Lockheed is one of the programs, one of the com companies that received material. 
and there are people in the chain of command right now who are trying real hard not to shit their pants about <laughs> whether they're going to be left holding the bag when uh, the Pentagon plays dumb about this and suddenly they're left holding the stuff they're not supposed to have. All right, but let's get to the meat and potatoes. Let's get to the good stuff. The main takeaway from this past week has been that Congress is taking David Grush extremely seriously. We've talked about this before, me and Chuck, about historically politicians either would just straight up refuse to answer questions about UAP or they would laugh or make a joke about it. Um, and recently, even the politicians who were moving the ball forward on UAP, such as Kristen Gillibrand and Marco Rubio, were couching their passion for the topic in national safety concerns. They, they were real careful to avoid saying alien or non-human or anything like that. It was, it was a flight safety issue. There are unknown things flying around in our skies. It's weird that the government isn't investigating and we're going to hold their feet to the fire and make them investigate it. But I don't know what it is. It might be drones. It might be birds. It might be balloons. It might be Russia. So they, they were still, it was like they had one toe in the pool, but they weren't fully committing. That has started to change. And David Grush's claims were pretty extreme, right? Like, we're, we dove into the deep end here. There's no more dancing around with unidentified anomalous phenomena. Oh, metal spheres. Who knows what it is? Might be for an adversary. No, he's straight up. We recovered flying saucers from Italy in the 30s after a tip-off from the Pope. Like, non-human intelligence, alien bodies. Like, he's going there. He's saying all the things. Again, my my background in this area, my, my expectation, my default expectation is this is when the politicians are going to freak out and pull back. And instead, we've got some really strong quotes from a bunch of them. And the impression that I get very clearly is David Grush is the first public whistleblower, but they have been hearing from these people for months now. And they are taking it very seriously. So I've got a few quotes here that I want to share. Uh, Representative or, uh, Senator Josh Hawley said that the government has been downplaying the number of UFO sightings. Quote, the government has admitted that there have been all kinds of unidentified aerial platforms. There have been all sorts of sightings of these over the years that are unaccounted for. We don't know what these are exactly. And these have been around our military bases, other sensitive installations, nuclear plants. The number of these is apparently huge, huge. And that's something that the government has downplayed, if not kept from the public, for a long, long time. Now, this whistleblower, I don't know about the details of his allegations in terms of true or false, but he's saying that the government knows more about this than they've previously let on. That doesn't really surprise me. Because it looks to me like the government 
has been tracking these UAPs for a long time now and has not been saying much about it. And what we learned from the Chinese spy balloon incident is that one part of the government actively concealed it from other parts of the government. The CIA, the NSA, our intelligence agencies, they knew about the spy balloon really early, but they kept that from other parts of the military. The military didn't know about it until it was over Alaska. So some of the details that he's alleging sound plausible based on what I've seen this government do in other instances. Now that's pretty compelling, right? Like he's stepping up and he's not dancing around the flight safety thing or, or holding back. He's like, yeah, I mean, I don't know for sure, but they lied to us about how many UFOs there are. Maybe they're lying to us about this too. Senator Marco Rubio has been all over the news this week. Big week for him. Uh, I've got several quotes from him. Uh, first of all, uh, he says that Grush was credibly vetted and referred to Congress. So he was kind of uh, pushing back on criticism about why Congress was listening to this guy at all. And he said, listen, we've begun the process to hear from the whistleblower. The inspector general deemed it an urgent, incredible threat, and that's how it was referred to us. Those claims that special access programs have been hidden from Congress, they've been made for years, and that is certainly something we would be very disturbed by. And that is what the gist of the whistleblower's claim is, that there are programs that should have been notified to Congress that were not. We've heard those claims in the past, but this is the first one that's gone through this process. Um, I do think that moving forward, this is probably the angle we will hear more politicians take is focusing more on the um, sort of political and legislative side of this, right? Like ignoring the fact that the secret program has to do with UFOs and aliens, they will focus more on the idea that this program should have been reported to Congress and Congress should have been involved in it and they haven't been, and that's a crime. And in the course of investigating that, they will uncover other crimes and potentially existence of aliens. <laughs> so it's, it feels kind of funny to me to come at it like, you know, the, the big news here is aliens, <laughs> but uh, the safe path forward for Congress is talking about the, the scandal involved with it. Uh, Rubio also talked to News Nation, and he said that multiple individuals, quote, with very high clearances and high positions within our government, have come forward to share firsthand claims beyond the realm of what the Senate Intelligence Committee has ever dealt with. I want to interject into his quote here for a moment. That word firsthand is a big deal. This is what we've been hearing, that Grush was the one who was able to get past the uh, the approval process in the Senate because he didn't have any firsthand knowledge of it. But all of his firsthand witnesses, the people that talked to him, were interviewed by the inspector general, and that's why they found it compelling. And those people have been referred to Congress and are now becoming whistleblowers. So the word firsthand there is carrying a lot of weight. Um, so yeah, urgent, incredible threat. Uh, 
firsthand claims beyond the realms of what the Senate Intelligence Committee has ever dealt with. There are people that have come forward to share information with our committee over the last couple of years. I want to be very protective of those people. A lot of these people came to us even before protections were there in the law for whistleblowers to come forward. We're trying to gather as much of that information as we can. Some of these people still work in the government. And frankly, a lot of them are very fearful of their jobs, fearful of their clearances, fearful of their career, and some, frankly, are fearful of harm coming to them. Um, now, that makes perfect sense if you've been in the community for a while and have heard stories of witness intimidation and everything, but this is the first we've kind of heard from anyone in Congress kind of echoing that some of these whistleblowers are not just worried about facing legal repercussions, they're worried about getting snuffed. <laughs> they're worried about getting killed or harmed in some way um, or harm coming to their family. Part of the reason that they had to rush the David Grush story out and put it on the debrief instead of waiting for the Washington Post is because Grush's name leaked and he was getting threatened. Um, anyway, back to Marco Rubo, Rubio. Uh, when he was asked if he found these additional first-hand witnesses credible, he hesitated. He didn't want to say, uh, I find them credible or I don't. He said, I find most of these people at some point, or maybe even currently, have held very high clearances in high positions within our government. So you start asking, you do ask yourself, what incentive would so many people with that kind of qualifications, these are serious people, what would make them come forward and make this up? I think that is a really good question. I've heard a lot of people saying Grush has no firsthand evidence and therefore he could just be making the whole thing up. And, you know, the the answer to that so far has been, hey, you know, Grush is testifying under oath. There, there are penalties if he lies to Congress, if he lies to the inspector general. Um, and that is true, but it's also only one person. It's always possible that one person is just a crackpot. But when you've got multiple witnesses coming forward with a lot on the line, a lot to lose if they're lying, and they're all saying the same thing, you have to start asking yourself whether there's something to it. Uh, moving on to our next quote, we've got Senate Intelligence Committee Chair Mark Warner, who says the government has hidden programs from Congress in the past. He says, we take whistleblowers very seriously. The committee has met with Grush, you know, staff have, but we take him seriously. And the reporter said, do you think there are any special access programs hidden from Congress? And Warner says, listen, I hope not. But over the years, sometimes, I think by mistake sometimes, but let's just say there's not a perfect record. Um, now, he's being very careful not to, you know, throw the Pentagon under the bus here, but he's also acknowledging, like, it's not unheard of for, uh, you know, people to go rogue and hide things from Congress. It has happened before. This is not a a brand new scandalous idea. There's there's reason to believe that it's true. Uh, 
Next up, we've got Senator Kirsten UFO Mama Bear Gillibrand, uh, possibly the person who had the biggest week uh, next to Marco Rubio, uh, talking about having open hearings with Grush. She said, so we're trying to schedule a meeting with the whistleblower so we can ask him questions directly. And then we're going to try to schedule meetings with the people he mentions in his whistleblowing complaint. And if the whistleblower wants it classified, we'll do it classified. And if he's willing to do it in the open, we'll do it in the open with cameras. And I don't know, I'll have to assume, I'll have to assess if there's classified information that he's giving us. So we'll create the right setting regardless, and then hopefully he'll come in. This is an extremely layered thing to get to the bottom of because the allegations are very serious. Uh, so yeah, big, big quote. Again, the running theme here, all of them are stopping short of saying that they believe Grush or that they think that what he's saying is true. But the message across the board is we take these whistleblower allegations very seriously and we are going to be investigating. This story is not dying down. It is not going away. Um, now, we've also got some great news on the legislative front uh, from Kristen Gillibrand. Uh, first of all, she released a press release uh, saying that she secured full funding for Arrow in the upcoming NDAA for 2024. Uh, which is great. If you don't remember in previous episodes, we've talked about how the Pentagon underfunded Arrow pretty significantly in 2023 to the point where Rubio and Gillibrand and I think 16 other senators signed a letter to the Defense Department saying, you know, basically, what the fuck? We told you to fund this fully and you didn't. Um, and they were able to get funding added on afterwards, but it was one of those things like they really had to go hold the Pentagon's feet to the fire before they would do what was written in the law. Um, so this is her preemptively announcing they've already got the full funding lined up for next year. So we shouldn't have to deal with that kind of uh, uh, fighting in 2024. Uh, but probably the biggest news of the week is the Senate Intelligence Committee unanimously approved the new Intelligence Authorization Act for 2024, which includes some new UAP provisions. And these, these are a big deal, folks. First of all, defense contractors, so we're not talking about military people, we're talking about like Lockheed Martin and stuff like that. Defense contractors in possession of UAP-related material, and it specifies all non-Earth origin or exotic UAP material, or information obtained from or through the U.S. government, must voluntarily disclose it to Arrow within 60 days and make the information or materials available for assessment, analysis, and inspection within 180 days. Contractors who comply will face no criminal or civil actions for receiving material or information. Oh, man. Uh, so first of all, we're taking a big step forward. The, the story we've been hearing for a long time is that 
this material was taken out of government and put into private contractors' hands to avoid things like FOIA requests and re reporting to Congress. Um, now, Congress is saying, if you're a defense contractor and you got either UAP material or information about UAP material from the US government, you have to tell Arrow and you have to do it within 60 days and then turn over the material within 180 days or you will face penalties. Um, that safe harbor provision there, I think is critical. We've talked briefly about this before, but if you put yourself in the mindset of someone who is running a legacy program, I don't think any of these people are mustache twirling villains who think of themselves as traitors to the US. I think they all think of themselves as patriots. And I think they view the security as a necessary evil. Um, but in the course of keeping things secure, crimes have been committed. If you are the head of a program and crimes are committed under your watch, you have no motivation to come forward. <laughs> Nothing good can possibly happen to you. The, you know, like if you're lucky, you won't get in trouble, but more likely somebody's going to end up holding the bag and get in trouble. So I think we're going to need some sort of amnesty or safe harbor provisions like this. And I think this is the right way to do it. They are not saying blanket amnesty. They're saying, look, after the 2024 NDA passes, there's a ticking clock. And if you comply with us during that time, great. You are, you are doing the right thing. We're not going to hold your feet to the fire. But if you don't and we find out later, there's going to be some consequences, buddy. I think that's exactly the way we need to proceed. And I hope we see more of this going forward. The other provision in the uh, Intelligence Authorization Act uh, that's really interesting is a provision that will withdraw funding from any special access programs that have not been described, explained, and justified to the appropriate committees in Congress. Specifically, it includes language targeting programs that recover or analyze non-Earth origin or exotic craft or material. There's a lot of verbiage that goes into this. They got really, really into the weeds specifying programs that recruit or hire or train or, you know, like all of these things. They, they got really, really detailed. But what it boils down to is if you are in an SAP that does anything with UAP stuff and Congress doesn't know about you, your funding is getting yanked. Um, now, I will say there is a little bit of a rain cloud over this one. Um, if, as David Grudge alleges, these are illegal programs who have already been operating in the black and siphoning funds and breaking the law, there's no reason to expect that they will comply with this law either. But I am in favor of this, if for no other reason than it's just being extra explicit about what is legal and what isn't. And then if and when they find anything that violates these rules, they can really nail them to the wall about it. There's no ambiguity here. There's no like, oh, 
President Eisenhower signed a memo in 1950 that gave us carte blanche, so we don't have to listen to you. No, this is explicit from Congress. If we don't know about your program, it's illegal and you're not allowed to be funded. The only way you're getting funding is by telling us. Um, so yeah, uh, the uh, Intelligence Authorization Act is expected to be signed into law in December. So contractors would have until March to disclose what they have to Arrow. So we could potentially be seeing some fairly rapid movement on this front. Um, Chris, UFO Daddy Mellon, our earlier earliest and best fan, uh, had a quote on Twitter. He said, the Senate Intelligence and Armed Services Committee continue to make serious efforts to uncover the truth of longstanding allegations that the U.S. government has recovered off-world technology. This is a testament to the credibility of the information reaching the committees on this subject, not just from David Grush, but by many others as well. Congress's determination to investigate credible reports is immensely important. I'm confident that if they continue on this path and obtain the data already provided to the intelligence community inspector general, the truth will come to light. Here's hoping, Chris. Boy, I hope you're right on this. It sure feels like we're moving in the right direction. Um, for, for those of you who are listening, uh, I, I can't tell you how exciting it is to see the momentum just increase with every passing day. I keep waiting for the other shoe to drop. I keep waiting for, you know, the, the Pentagon report that comes out and exposes David Grush as non-credible and answers all the questions and explains things. It just keeps not happening. Nobody has knocked this guy down. He keeps standing up there and saying what he's saying, and no one's been able to say, hey, he's wrong. The most they've been able to say is he's not giving us enough evidence, but he's given that evidence to Congress and they're following up on it. And what we are seeing this week in week three of the David Grush story is Congress is taking it super, super seriously. They are not flaking. They're not rolling their eyes. Nobody's joking about it or playing the X-Files music. They are treating it as it is a whistleblower story about a congressional scandal that potentially involves a massive, massive story that affects all of humanity. I, oh my God, I, I, I can't think about it too much. Or I get, I get overwhelmed. Uh, anyway, I'm about done here. Uh, but what's next? Congress is currently on a two-week recess for the Fourth of July, so they will be back for three weeks for the last three weeks of July. Uh, and that will be followed by a month-long recess for August. Uh, the House Oversight Committee UAP hearing, which is expected to be led by Representative Tim Burchett and Representative Anna Luna, is likely to be open. Tim Burchett has been saying that he wants it to happen in July. He wants it to happen soon. He's really chomping at the bit, and he's saying he wants to feature Grush as a witness. So we are potentially looking at a House oversight open hearing with Grush as a witness in just a few weeks. Hot on Burchett's heels, 
We've got the Senate Select Committee on Intelligence Briefing, which is likely to be led by Marco Rubio and Kristen Gillibrand and is expected to include both closed and open sessions. And we already heard a quote from Kristen Gillibrand earlier saying that she wants to get Grush in the open if she can, but she's going to take the lead from him. And if I had to guess, I think Grush is probably going to ask to be in a classified session. He's been very clear. There's a lot of stuff he can't talk about publicly, but he could give it in a classified session to senators with the appropriate clearance. So, um, you know, while I would love to see it public, I would love to see this topic move forward more. So, <laughs> uh, and that is not yet scheduled, but uh, fingers crossed that's coming up soon also. And something else to look forward to, uh, the next Arrow briefing is due on August 1st. So uh, whatever you've got going on, uh, it is going to be, a very exciting time this summer. <laughs> uh, one last bit of news. Uh, over the weekend, I decided, you know what? We've been doing this podcast for almost nine months now. It's time to admit that we're taking it seriously. We now have a website. We now have email addresses. We now have a YouTube channel. So in addition to finding us wherever you listen to podcasts, uh, you can also find us on YouTube at Very Exciting Time. Uh, we will be posting all of the podcasts there. They're still audio only. We're thinking about maybe doing some video. We'll, we'll see how that goes. Um, you can also email uh, myself or Chuck. Uh, I'm scott at veryexcitingtime.com, and he's chuck at veryexcitingtime.com. Uh, and we've got a website, which is, you know, currently just a simple website listing all of our episodes of Spotify embeds. But, you know, let me know if there's anything you want to see. I think the, the main benefit of the website is if you want to, uh, any all of our episodes, I have detailed list of references. So I'm referencing all of the articles and Twitter posts and stuff where I get this information. So if you ever want to find something that I talk about in an episode, you should be able to find it in either the show notes or on the website. They should be in both places. Um, and, you know, last of all, uh, I've had a few people express interest in having us add a Patreon. I don't know, Chuck and I have been a little hesitant to bring money into this, but, um, you know, if you're really interested in it, uh, drop me an email. Let me know what you think. Um, it might be something we could be persuaded to do. Okay. Well, that was a tight 45 without Chuck here to react, but, uh, you know, I hope he's having a good time. And uh, thank you all or listening to me talk about UFOs so my wife doesn't have to.